0: Blog Talk Radio Radio <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Mystical Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Marla Martinson, matchmaker, author, and energy healer. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I took a sip of water and I almost choked. All right. I'm so excited for today's episode, you guys. Um, So I have a special guest, but first of all, I pulled an animal spirit card for all of us. And, you know, this the, this animal spirit card deck by Colette Baron reed is so powerful. I use it um, every – I do have Facebook Live once a week, usually on Sundays. Sometimes I'll pop on there Monday. But I've got this great group of women who show up, and it's like a little party. And I use this deck and some other decks too, but I, I give some readings. And um, it, it's always like the cards that come up are just exactly what – what the person needs and this card ties into um, our conversation that we're going to be having today and it's the coyote spirit and the coyote spirit comes to say trust in the in divine detours and uh the uh, my guest today i'm not going to say her name yet because it's i want you to get be on pins and needles (laughs) but she's taken some divine detours and you know during uh this Coronavirus 2020, it's been such a, in some some ways, it's been such a shit show, right? But then in other ways, it's been, um, there's been a lot of gifts, and a lot of us have had to take some detours and make them divine. We've had to reinvent ourselves. So we're going to talk about that, how you can do that. And um, first of all, before we get into the uh, meat of it, I'm going to just read My reflection from Louise Hayes, Heart Thoughts, A Treasury of Inner Wisdom. And she says it is very comfortable to play the victim because then it is always somebody else's fault. You have to stand on your own two feet and take some responsibility. The affirmation is I have the power to make changes. There is a difference between responsibility and blame. When we talk about responsibility, we are really talking about having power. When we talk about blame, we are talking about making something or someone wrong. Responsibility is a gift because it gives you the power to make changes. Unfortunately, some choose to interpret it as guilt. These people usually accept everything as a guilt trip in one way or another because it, because it is another way to make themselves wrong. Being a victim is wonderful on one level because then everyone else is responsible and we don't get a chance to make changes. When people insist on feeling guilty, there's not much we can do about it. They either accept the information or they don't. Just leave them alone. We're not responsible for their feeling guilty. And this is so important about um, when we talk about blame and making something or someone wrong, and, and uh, we'll often do that in relationships, right? In marriages or long-term relationships, we'll, we'll blame the other person for our misery or, or the way they're behaving, and um, always putting it on them. It's not, it's not a way to shift the energy um, and not taking responsibility for our, our own energy. Um, a, a wonderful wise spirit guide once told me, Marla, you are responsible for your own sanity and you are responsible for the vibration in your body. And that really was a game changer for me. So knowing that we are responsible for our own sanity and our own experiences. All right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my special guest today. Her name is Aura Imbaurus. What a cool name is that? It's like so magical. Aura. So Aura, I'm going to read this off of her website. Um, she says she's, she also does some life coaching as well. She does a lot of things. She's an educator and a life coach and an author. But she says, consider this. I was born in communist Romania. At the age of 18, I was caught in crossfire during the Romanian Revolution. Right after this gruesome experience, I survived a rape attempt. I decided to move to the United States with only $400 to my name. Since childhood, I knew that we have to believe something in order to see it, not the other way around. Since I was five, I pictured myself in front of an audience lecturing on different subjects. By 24, I was an assistant professor at Lucian Blaga, University in Romania, my alma mater. As early as seven, visions guided me. I knew I would not grow old in Romania. I would instead develop myself as an adult in a country with a coast. In 1996, I won the green card lottery, and out of 12 million people from all over the world, I was one of the 55,000 shows to come to the United States. So welcome, Aura. Aura.
1: Thank you, Marla. What a great introduction! Hi, <laughs> long time <laughs> no <mercy>. see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Gosh, I saw uh, outer and I. You guys, we've known each other for uh, over a decade. We both live in Los Angeles, but so with coronavirus, the 405 freeway, and uh, life, we we haven't <laughs> seen each other in. <laughs> So true, so true. But even if
1: we haven't seen each other, you know, in person, we always connect virtually and riding yes. the same waves of energy.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it's so true, and it's so funny because. Literally, I mean, you know, you guys wherever you live, I'm sure you've heard of the dreaded 405. Now, while while we were on lockdown, there was not as much traffic. But generally, it's like I'm in the valley right off the 405. She's like over, you know, by the beach, way over by the 405. And and it, and you could get there pretty quick if there's no traffic. But it could take you know like an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> like crazy. Well, well, Marla, I
0: all. Oh, I always say that, you know, the moment you're going to hit four
1: or five in Los Angeles for the ones who are who don't live here and don't take four or five, you know, imagine that it's going to take you four or five hours to get home. So
0: that's why it's called four or five. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Have some good podcasts lined up. Like the Mystical Matchmaker Podcast. <laughs> you exactly. Could, you could binge you could binge listen to it. Oh my God. Absolutely. absolutely. So 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 Aura your new book. um, Tell us about, this is so exciting. It just came out. It's called Conversations with the Past, A Journey Home, How to Let Go of the Past, Redefine Your Present, and Create a Positive Future. So tell everybody a little bit about, now I just mentioned a little bit about your um, your story from Romania, but um, Mm -hmm. uh, talk about uh, this book and what's this made you decide to write it, and uh you know you've you've reinvented yourself a few times <laughs> well i I
1: believe that the,
0: <laughs> I believe
1: that many times the moment you are going to start writing a book, the idea was prompted long time before you actually started the book so uh, we might have a seed, uh creative seed in us. And then somehow that one is going to be watered by the right people. And so it goes, you know, the book, is going to spring mm-hmm. to life. So um, yeah. I was on a journey kind of like for, I would say, 10 years, but it started right after my mom passed away in 2009. And so mm-hmm. very many times when your beloved, you know, parents Or parents are going to pass away you would like to relive moments that you've shared with them so um, many times i would go down the memory lane and i would put myself in the shoes of a five years old or seven years old or 10 years old and try to relive those moments with my parents that i've had them and they were so amazing even if growing up in a communist country You know, uh, and dealing with a communist regime, it's not the best experience you can have. But having a loving Mm -hmm. family, which I really did, it was so different from what the grim, the gray uh, atmosphere was outdoors, the one that we were supposed to live in. So um, Mm -hmm. I started kind of like reliving those moments, not even knowing that I would always go down the memory lane. And even now, Marla, every morning, whenever I wake up, my my mind, my thoughts are going to my parents and my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like start each and every day going down the memory lane and thanking my grandmother and my grandfather for having my parents and then thanking my mom and my dad for having me because... I think that we are just a continuation of a certain DNA and we are a continuation of thoughts they have had. You know, initially it was just a thought for them and then I came into being. So mm-hmm. um, even now, as I said, even my, both my parents passed away, I always kind of like go and have these conversations with my past each and every morning because if we are sure. not going to look at our past, And if we are not going to really see exactly where we're coming, we are not going to know where we're going. So these conversations are happening, you know, on a daily basis. It's a quick, like, run around, uh, you know, along those childhood lines and then kind of like coming into the present moment. But to kind of like um, respond to be very specific and respond to that question, how um, did I have the idea, you know, of writing this book. So after my mom passed away, I started following around different motivational speakers. And the one that was I was really, really in tune with was Dr. Wayne Dyer. So mm-hmm. I looked at his books, read his books, and started, you know, like literally following him around, shadowing him. Um, you know from turkey to israel to united states to italy to spain so wherever dr wayne dyer was traveling i was kind of like oh Mm -hmm. i'm going to be there i want to know exactly what he's doing and what he's lecturing Mm -hmm. on and then from uh him i kind of like met anita morjani who literally endorsed my book conversations with the past and I really remember and connected with Anita Morjani, and I read her book, Dying to Be Me, even, mm-hmm. you know, even before it, it came out on the market. Somehow we connected when Wayne Dyer in 2011 introduced her on his stage. And at mm-hmm. that time, she was an unknown name, and her book came out in 2012. Well, we connected because she suffered from cancer and she had a clinical death because of cancer and Mm -hmm. my mom passed away because of cancer. So it was that emotional connection that somehow preceded the physical one. And then from Manita Morjani was Bruce Lipton and Dr. Joe Dispenza. So I kind of like started looking at patterns that started showing up in my life and i was like my god mm-hmm. this kind of like seems familiar you know you might have johnny or you know a Jim, but it was like kind of like the same scenario the name was different but all of a sudden it was the same scenario so when it came mm-hmm. down to dating or it came down to cultural beliefs or it came down to religious beliefs or financial bl- blueprints I started kind of like reliving, you know, previous moments and kind of like expecting a different result. So, you know, you make the mistake once or twice. I mean, the moment you make that mistake like three times, I mean, there's something wrong with you that probably you have to start <laughs> looking, you know, <laughs> why, why yeah. are you doing those things? So, um, So I started being a little bit more cognizant and more aware of my mistakes and kind of like sorted them out in patterns that I saw, and I kind of like wrote some ideas down, but I didn't really have the idea of writing a book that is going to be called Conversations with the Past until um, I ended up being on Neil Donald Walsh, One of his episodes from Amazon Prime. It's called Conversations with Neil. And I am in um, episode 18. And I was part of the public. I was dressed in very flamboyant colors, my favorite color, red.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And
1: he's, his producer noticed me and asked me a couple of questions. Long story short, you know, in another half an hour, I was all mic'd up and I took the stage and I was facing Neil Donald Walsh and facing my past. And so my first mm-hmm. question for him was, in which, you know, to which degree is the past serving me? Considering that I grew up in a communist country and I dodged bullets when I was 18 and I also had the rape attempt. And so how is that mm-hmm. past serving me now as an adult? So the whole conversation ended up being a whole episode, and towards the end of that conversation, Neil said, why don't you write a book about that? I think you would have a lot to say. And so the idea has grown, and um, all of a sudden, I started writing, and so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, fast-forwarding um, all those ideas, I put them in a book, and I had a couple of agents that I was working with, and then um, I ended up circling back to Neil Donald Walsh Publisher mm-hmm. because of a friend of mine, Annie Sims, who is actually in charge of Neil Donald Walsh, all of his programs. Mm-hmm. And she's also writing for my magazine, See Beyond. She's, you know, the editorialist for the spirituality column. And so I just wrote, you know, an email to Neil Donald Walsh Publisher. And so I am Mm -hmm. right now, you know, published by Rainbow Rich. And the book Mm -hmm. came out
0: and it's called Conversations with the Past. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. And I like how after each chapter, you have uh, some reflections to ask yourself after each chapter that is applicable. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. know, it's uh, it's, it's a teaching memoir. Yeah, yeah. Correct, mm-hmm. Go
1: ahead. correct. And, uh, you know, and you pointed out, you know, very well, because I believe that many times I, I read books, and when I read a book, a self-help book, I'm like, yeah, you know, as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I totally connect. I, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm telling, I have these conversations with the authors. I'm like, yeah, Joe, I hear you very loud and clear. I'm right there with you. You know, or I'm like reading Marla's book and I'm like, yeah, Marla, right there. I I can totally, I can totally understand where you're coming from. And then, you know, you you kind of like after you're done with the book, you're like, oh, it was a great book. So now what? You know, so I I always feel that I need some sort of guidelines after I'm done with the reading of a book and those guidelines. um, I decided them to be some questions, some reflective questions that are going to be at the end of each and every chapter and so after you mm-hmm. kind of, like, connect with the writer, maybe you should connect to yourself, with yourself, and see exactly where you are mm-hmm. and kind of, like, take the necessary steps, you know, to make those changes. Yes.
0: And you, you mentioned that um, you, your favorite color is red and you were dressing. Now, ever since <laughs> I've known you, what I've really loved about you is you know, I'd see you while driving up in a bright, you know, orange uh, car, <laughs> Porsche, you know, and then seeing you in a purple suit or a red suit or an orange suit or, a, mm-hmm. you know, always in just yeah. bright, bright colors. And, and uh, I always love that. But when I read in your book the reason why, it was like, wow, that is really profound. So share with, with everybody why you, you uh, chose that as your style. <laughs>
1: Um, Well, I mean, growing up in a communist regime, you really don't want to stick out. You kind of like want to blend in and be part of the mainstream society that, you know, a socialist and a communist society want you to be part of. So the moment you would stick out, you will definitely be blacklisted. And, you know, you would be called for an intervention, you know, first of Mm. all, questioning. And then if you don't have the right attitude, then probably you are going to end up behind bars. And if you are looking up communism, I mean, you you know very well because you are very well read and very well educated. But, you know, for the ones who might not know so much about communist regime, I mean, there are tons of people who disappeared during those years. And especially the intellectuals, the ones that were questioning the regime. So the moment you were sticking out, you were kind of like um in the spotlight and being in the spotlight in a communist regime it's not necessarily the most wanted spot to be in. And so um because the whole society was described and we're just dragging our feet and trying to live our lives in these grey colors and nothing was popping, nothing was standing out, nothing was you know, mm-hmm. just different and unique. Um I always crave for colors because um, the society was great. The materials, the fabrics that you were finding mm. in the stores was always dark gray and blue and navy blue and, you know, 50 shades of gray. And I'm like, my God, wow. I mean, can we have some bright colors that are going to give me that joie de vivre, that that desire to live? And we didn't want that. The regime didn't want you to have that. So, everything was described in this block, colours starting with the atmosphere. So my desire was always, well I, I want to be me and I'm always happy and I always have a smile on my face and gray doesn't
0: fit with who I am. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember I so. remember visiting uh I remember visiting Germany, Berlin and uh we went uh to over to East uh Berlin and I even this was 2004 or 6 or something and I remember mm-hmm. still the architecture was it was the Russian architecture it was so uh, ugly and and it was yes. sad and same color and, and everything yeah and uh, so that's very interesting that I mean I understand they're repressive and everything but they must not like color themselves or it's like it's like how I, it's interesting yeah um see that i I don't i don't know it's make i it's to keep everyone and you know i've never gotten political on on this podcast but you know there's a lot of people who who talk about you know socialism for this country and and um uh when and i know that you're very you know passionate about uh not having that happen coming from that society just talk a little bit about some of that repression and how grateful you are to be in a country that's free and you can wear your colors the basic thing to wear, to wear the colors you want, you know? And and then that's why, I mean, Marla
1: coming, I always say this, that, you know, very many um, political beliefs and, you know, Um, ways to be you know aligned with different doctrines they all look great on a piece of paper you know i i I think that it's it's great to talk about china and china communism if you don't live in china you know uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like great to talk about communist countries if you don't live in one you know uh it's kind of (laughs) like you know like a (laughs) metaphor you know like a metaphor, I always say this, you know, it's great to enjoy a very nice five-star hotel, you know, if you are the guest, not the worker who is going to take the right. heat and, and you know, the, the misery of each and every guest, you know. So, it's kind of like the same thing. I, I believe that whenever somebody talks about the hotel, it's like, oh, my God, it's so great to relax. Yeah, for you as a guest, not yeah. for the one yeah. who's working. And so I think that, you know, the moment people talk about socialism, yes, of course, it looks great on a piece of paper. You know, we tried it, you know, in the Eastern European bloc, and it did not work. And so, mm-hmm. you know, then socialism is, you know, the probably the kindest sister, the smaller sister of communism with, you know, the, the smaller brother, you know, of, of dictatorship. And so... Yeah. you know, from socialist to communist to dictatorship, you know, people think, oh, they're miles apart. Yeah, again, in theory, they are. But when a country is going to become socialist, the next step is pretty much going to be communist. And that's how it happened in Romania. I mean, my grandparents, my grand grandparents, who, you know, my last name is Greek origin they were successful business people they owned their own businesses carriages carriage businesses that they had them for people and for goods and they came from um Greece from Athens and they settled down in Romania so they were able to create an amazing future for themselves and for their families because at that time Romania was a, you know had a democratic regime and so they established mm-hmm. themselves in Romania. They bought land. They built houses. And then here it is, socialism and then communism that is going to come in Romania. And all the things that my family has worked really, really hard for is going to be taken away. Because according to this doctrine, socialism and, you know, communism, we have to be equal. So no matter if you have worked for whatever you have, if you have six houses, they are going to be taken away, five of them, and given to other people, and then they're going to take a look at your house and see exactly if maybe you have too much square footage, you know, for one person or two Mm -hmm. people, and maybe they will put two other people in the house that you have built and you have paid in Mm -hmm. full. And so now, all of a sudden, whatever my family has worked for is going to be taken by an abusive regime. And so Mm -hmm. my parents... You know, they had no say in that because no matter what you want to do, I mean, the regime will crush you in a second. So, you know, my dad always used to say that, you know, when he was small, he used to be taken to school in a carriage and he used to have a nana that was taking care of him and they used to have a cook that would, you know, prepare Mm -hmm. great meals for them and all of them treat. You know, treated that the people that you know had working for them very, very well, they were always considered part of the family, and then all of a sudden, my dad wanted to go and watch a movie and was asking his mom for the equivalent of one dollar here for one leo, mm-hmm. and his mom said, "We cannot afford giving you that one dollar because we don't have mm-hmm. money and so his mother was crying, and he was crying, and that's pretty much where you know, the end of democracy came in and communism settled himself in and has taken away people's, you know, earnings and their lives and whatever they've gathered, whatever they've worked for in in a blink of an eye. And the Mm. reason why I left Romania, I mean, even if we had the communist regime and it was the end of the communist regime in 1989 because we were, part of the eastern european bloc um that mm-hmm. definitely brought upon itself the end of communist because we had enough of it and people were struggling mm-hmm. not staying in long lines like the way we stayed remember for toilet paper yes so imagine mm-hmm. you are going to stay in long lines not for toilet paper you are going to stay in long lines each and every day Around 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, not even knowing if you are going to receive your so-called monthly or weekly or daily ratio of food. Because food was Mm. rationalized, so you couldn't just go to Trader Joe and, you know, grab as many loaves of bread as you were interested. Each and every family Mm -hmm. had a a certain uh, portion that was given to them and Mm. a certain, you know... Slices of salami that, you know, you were given and three eggs or two eggs. So everybody had food that was rationalized and then, you know, the energy, um, the heat and um, the gas was also on a quota. So the moment you were um, using more this month, they will cut it for you the following month and then they will literally Mm -hmm. turn it off. And so now all of a sudden, you know, you could not hit up your family anymore because there was no heat because, oopsie, you just went over the daily quota or the monthly quota that you were allowed. Mm-hmm. So
0: when Ooh.
1: when people want a change, I always say this, um, you shouldn't change what's working, you know, and mm-hmm. that comes in relationships and comes down to personal businesses and, Um, personal environment, if it's working for you, no matter how much you want to change. I mean, you can always go for a change if you think that change is going to be better. But I think it's always try to look at the change you want to make and try to see exactly if that change that you're trying to implement right now, it's working in other countries. You know, um, If we're looking at Sweden, Sweden is socialist, Portugal is socialist, but in that particular case, Their government definitely takes care of its citizens, but they're not as diverse as we are. You know, Sweden is Mm -hmm. not. Portugal is not. So whatever is working for them, for sure it's not going to work for us. And then if communism was so nicely painted, then why did all Eastern European bloc struggling to get rid of it for so many years until it's actually... Happened in 1999, and people have lost their lives, you know, like fighting Mm -hmm. for democracy. So, if we have democracy, why would we want to change that? Because it's working, and so don't change what it's working.
0: And in Cuba, (laughs) people lose their lives trying to escape, you know, right, getting to Florida, you know. Yeah, they're not allowed. Absolutely. Now, were people allowed to, because I know, you know, you hear about Cuba, the people were not allowed to leave, are not allowed to, I don't know what, what's the situation now, but no. not allowed to leave and have to escape. What about Romania what, during the, um, you know, communist uh, regime? Was anybody allowed thing? to leave and move? No, no, no. We didn't even or, have or no. We didn't even
1: have no. We didn't even have passports because where would you go? Because oh. the borders of the countries were closed, so you were not allowed to have a passport. And so the only ones that had passports were the diplomats, the ones that were serving the elite, mm-hmm. the ones that were actually in power. They were they were the ones that were living in huge mansions. Those were the ones that. You know, were manufacturing, maneuvering money. They were the ones that were traveling all over the world, while the rest of the population was barely, barely making it from one month to another. So, no, we didn't even have passports because we were not allowed to travel. Now, if you're part of the, you know, communist regime and you're up there, you know, among the first tiers or the second, yes, of course, you're traveling all over the world. So
0: you know do as we say not as we do yeah of course <laughs> right and what about what about if somebody lived like in a uh out in the countryside or something could they grow their own food or have some chickens and have more eggs or you know potatoes or you know carrots or well,
1: farmers were very successful until communism came and then the co-op, right? So they had, they were, they were forced to give up their farmland and they were forced to give away their chickens. So now all of a sudden they were part of this, you know, co-op where, you know, several farmers were actually now employed by the state and the state was paying them. So it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you to give another metaphor, you are, walking, and you're in perfect shape, and then we are going to catch you, we're going to break your legs, and then we're Mm going to put you in a wheelchair, and now you're going to be thankful that you haven't lost your life, that's pretty Uh much what happened to the farmers, okay, Mm -hmm. so they Mm -hmm. were crippled, they crippled their Mm -hmm. businesses, and now they were given, you know, breadcrumbs, you know, from the co-op, the ones that actually they owned, Right. That was taken right. away, right. And now it belongs to, uh, you know, a very well organized system that was
0: giving you breadcrumbs. So
1: <laughs> now what about your
0: education? Because uh, you are an educator with a Ph.D. Did you are people were people getting educated there? Did you get that there or did you do that when you came to the United States?
1: I did that there, and, you know, I mean, people think that, yeah, it was free. Yes, of course it was free, but it was not like, here, you can go back to school at the age of 60 and still get a degree, and, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go to a community college, and you're not going to pay an arm and a leg in order to get an AA, you know, and even Mm -hmm. when you are going to go and get a bachelor, I mean, again... Yes, it's not cheap, but we, we, you have different colleges and then, you know, you can have a better pricing or you can go to out-of-state or you can, you know, have all kinds of, you can qualify yourself for all kinds of scholarships. Um, in Romania, I mean, whenever, even if the education was free, not everybody had the right to free education. So, you know, if you're going for um college degree, they would open up like 20 spots, you know, for Mm -hmm. a certain, let's say, um, major. And so then you had running for those 20 spots, you would have like 6,000 people running for one spot. And so the best would get in. And then the moment you got in and you qualified, you know, for those 20 spots, no matter what your GPA was in high school, they didn't care if you were a 4.5 or 4.0. You still had to pass a huge, tough entrance exam. And so the moment you were passing that, yes, everything was subsidized by the state for you. But we're talking about 20 spots that were highly regarded and everything was paid for you versus, you know, a free, almost free education in the United States that no matter, you know, if you are old or young, you can just go and get it. You know, over there, do you really Mm -hmm. think that somebody in his 40s would go back to school and, you know, uh, apply for this entry exam, entrance exam Mm. with the high schoolers that gradually, you know,
0: recently graduated? (laughs) (laughs) No way. And then, so, and then I it invent- sounds like so. Even if you get a, even if you get a big degree, you're not going to be able to make a lot of money, right? Because you, everybody Correct. has to Correct. be the same. So you can't, you go absolutely. get this uh, I- grueling education as a doctor or an educator or a scientist, and then you're not going to make more than you know the checker at the grocery store watch. or something. Absolutely, yeah.
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I remember when you know I was lucky enough because foreign languages department was really not you know, very well received, because why would you learn foreign languages if it was na- nowhere to go, right? So, right, I, right. luckily, my university, that the foreign languages program, I mean, universities would not have foreign languages program. They, those were terminated by our dictator. Universities had engineering you know, because we needed engineers, and those are guys who were engineers, and then you had the medical school, because we needed doctors, because we wanted people to get sick, so now they're going to come to us, you know, so we can prescribe medication to them, you know, but there was not much, nothing Mm -hmm. else, foreign languages, why would you learn foreign languages, you were not traveling anywhere, and so... It, when mm-hmm. I graduated, you know, I was a senior in high school. That's exactly when the revolution started, and that's when my university yeah. reenacted and brought back the foreign mm-hmm. languages department. So I was mm-hmm. lucky enough that all of a sudden that year the revolution started, that year they restarted the foreign languages program. And, yes, I mean, it was huge competition because here we are, you know, having all these people applying, but I was, you know, was pretty well-prepared. I always loved school. And so I got in. Yeah. And then I got mm-hmm. my bachelor in foreign languages, and I went for an accelerated program for a master in American and British literature of the 20th century. And then mm-hmm. I qualified myself, entrance exam again for my master and my PhD, and that was another seven-year set program. So, I mean, I'm very, very grateful, you know, for receiving mm-hmm. the best education. I mean, Lucian Blaga... Mm-hmm my alma mater in Romania, all my professors were highly educated, and we had professors that were highly trained at Buffalo University and you know, Harvard and Stanford, and they had tons of degrees under their belt, and we had exchange you know, professors coming from UCLA and Sorbonne, so highly trained and highly qualified. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, and again, I'm very, very grateful for receiving a free education. But it's not mm-hmm. how people think, oh, I'm just going to get free education. No, 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 no. You know, mm-hmm. all the ones who are going to school right now, they're not going to go to school because they're not going to be able to pass the entrance exam. No way they would be able to pass mm-hmm. the entrance exam. Remedial classes? Are you kidding me? We don't have remedial classes. Either you know this or you don't, period.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. You know, the educational system was very differently set up. That's why it was subsidized by the government. You cannot have mm-hmm. all these courses and have people go to school for free. It's impossible. Who's going to pay for
0: all of those classes?
1: So, and that's yeah, the way it is now. No, return
0: would never be enough exactly. Right. would never be enough money to do it this way. Whatever. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then the moment you're going to graduate, you know, who's going to hire you, you know, not that we've given you all this thing to where you're going to go. How are you going to pay back the state? You know, no, nah, it's yeah. not feasible.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you came here and you became a, um, a, a professor at uh, a college. And what were you, uh, are you still doing that? Tell us what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, well, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I was uh, qualified to teach college and university and not K to 12. And so Um, I came and I started, you know, first of all, teaching for LACCD, Los Angeles Community College District. Um, It was a city, you know, LA city, right, their college. And when Mm -hmm. I wanted to apply and I kind of like, I wasn't quite sure where people were coming from and what kind of education they received and what kind of books they've read. And I would mention a couple of writers and my students would be looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, and then (laughs) I would mention, you know, (laughs) I would mention grammar, like present perfect, hence continuous, or progressive, and they were looking at me like, hello, uh, this is English, this is not French, this is not Spanish, yeah. because here, you know, we don't teach grammar anymore. So the <laughs> students are going to be exposed to grammar only when they're going to learn a foreign language, you know, not even being aware of right. the grammar of their own language. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, really, don't get me started on that one, right? And so um, I was like, I want to go and teach, you know, for, for a little bit, just middle school and high school, to, just to get an idea of what are these people learning in schools. And so I remember that I wanted to apply for middle school, and they were like, well, you're not qualified. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not qualified? And I'm like, I have a bachelor, a master, a PhD, I can teach in university in college, I cannot teach middle school? And they were like, no, you have to go and get the credential. So long story short, I went back to school, and I got my single subject teaching credential. And I went to UCLA at the same time going to Cal State LA. And I was taking at the same time classes, going back and forth. I was teaching for middle school on an emergency credential. I was teaching for college at night, and I was taking courses at UCLA and Cal State LA to qualify my myself mm-hmm. to teach K to twelve, if you can imagine that. <laughs> so,
0: wow. Well, it's yeah, interesting so because to, when I was a kid, we did we did learn learn grammar uh, when I was a kid, but uh, I'm you know a lot older, and I don't have kids, so I don't know how it is. And then I know that uh, I heard that they stopped teaching cursive handwriting uh, also in school. Yes. So, um, and I yeah, noticed so. a lot of uh, younger people they don't speak proper English. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> And I think they're oh, using, we're God. using all these abbreviations for the text. And I'm getting all oh, this, in, you know, because, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because I do for fun, um, a side gig, a spiritual side gig. I'm on the psychic hotlines, right? And I'll take calls and texts and I'll get texts. a love, lot of the people are younger. They might be 19, early 20s. And they're giving me these little abbreviations, like I know, you know, WTH, what that means, or LOL or, you know, certain But there'll be some, some uh, abbreviations, you know, I'm like, uh, can you tell me what that means? <laughs> they probably they could probably have a whole conversation just in, in you know, three letter uh word abbreviations. <laughs> I mean Marla. I, I think uh, in high school and college and in high
1: school, many times I'm like, please, okay, this is not conversational, you know, English. You are not texting to your girlfriend here, okay? It's not yeah. because, because you know, uh, for you, number four and you. I'm like, No no yeah, no 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 no, no 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 let's let's yeah. stick to proper English, formal language, not informal. And so Oh that's yeah,
0: interesting. I mean, it, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And so, you know, we don't teach grammar anymore. And then, you know, that's mm. why very many times students have huge issues with foreign languages, because the moment you start learning a mm-hmm. foreign language, you become aware of the grammar of another language, not knowing the grammar of your own language. So uh, it, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, you know. But, you know, we're diluting the curriculum and, you know, I always say this: you have to plant several seeds and you have to be prepared to water them in order to receive a great crop. And it looks like the seeding process, it's not well done anymore. We all expect amazing crops without, you know, making the footwork and, in you know, the front load you know, of what a great education is supposed to be like. You know, we all want right. instant connection, you know, a word just for showing up,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it's interesting as we get older, um, I'm in my 50s, and I've just noticed the whole society how quickly things have shifted and changed, and uh, the way we communicate and and all of that. Customer service, I noticed. Gosh, when I was younger, you'd come in a store or you go go pay for something. It's hello, how are you? And da da da. Now it's you're lucky if you get eye contact from from a from a cashier uh, or somebody in the store. I many times there's not even an acknowledgement. They're just giving you your change, but not even looking at you. And I thought, oh, you know, it, and, and my. husband gets really upset about that you know he's really into he works with the public and he's an entertainer and he loves good customer service makes you feel so welcome you want to come back and he he's just like outraged like didn't even I said hello twice they didn't respond I can't you know I can't believe it and it's yeah it's almost now to the point where you just have to accept it and uh And if if somebody gives you good service and they acknowledge you and they say, welcome, you know, hope you come back, it's like, oh, my God, you want to, like, give them, you know, uh, write a review or, you know, you're, like, calling the manager. Keep this person. (laughs) True. No, it's true. And, uh, you know,
1: I, I really believe that that's that's kind of like, you know, coming back to my book, you know, in conversation with the past. I mean, we all, I think at a certain age, and no matter, I mean, you know, how old or how young you are, I think it's coming down to morals. It's coming down to a great right. um, upbringing. It's coming down to... Uh, the parent or the father figure or the mother figure, you know, being there mm-hmm. and and spending time with you, you know, and yeah. I think many times yeah. when we have these conversations with our past, you know, we are going to actually look at. As I said, I have conversations with my parents, and they're always amazing conversations because, you know, it was always an open discussion with them. We always they always mm. consider my input, no no matter how young I was. And so yeah. you, when you have this conversation with the past, you are going to say, well, my God, yes, I lived in the communist regime. And, you know, the country was horrible. The regime was horrible. But I was so lucky to be raised in such a warm and, and amazing family that has given me what right. I, I, I say it's the most important. It's even more important than money, even more important than gold it's like character and morals. And if you have those, no matter where you're going to go, you're going to be able to adjust and adapt and, and be nice as that process is going. Um, And then, you know, sometimes you have conversations with your past that are not so necessarily great ones. You're like, Oh my God, now here is this one coming back into my life. How in the world did I bring this ding dong again, you know, into my life. And it's, it's it's not, I always say, this it has nothing to do, I mean, people resonate with you, and situations resonate with you, and if you want to change that resonance, you have to change the waves, you are, you know, giving the signals out, you know, and so, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, many of us, like you said in the beginning, you know, we're playing the victim role, and yeah. I don't really believe that. If you're going to play the victim role, you know, uh, you're asking others to change and that's not going mm-hmm. to happen. You have to change in order for others to respond to your change. And so, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's all about the boundaries and it's, you know, people say I set this boundary and they they didn't stick to it, but the boundary is always correct. We hold the boundary. They don't hold it. It's not their boundary. So we have to hold the boundary which is what we will and or will not accept uh in our life. So, yeah, there's a lot of um and a lot of uh, women wanting their exes back when I get calls, you know, for, for readings. So, felt um, a high amount, is my ex coming back? Is he thinking about me? Is Does he still love me? Do you see us getting back together? I never knew so many people were hoping to get back with their exes until I started doing this, this uh, work. And, um, and uh, yeah, say something about that, about what you have to do to, because you really moved forward. And when you got a divorce, you stayed friends. Uh, with your oh my God. ex, yes. too,
1: and, and, yeah. it's and your family. You know, Marla, I, I Yes, you know, Marla, I mean, my, my ex is my best friend, and I always say this, you know, mm-hmm. when people are like, well, if you're on such a great terms, why aren't you with him? And I said, you just missed the point here, you know? I'm mm-hmm. like, the relation, the partnership ended. The relationship continues. I said, he's always going to be in my life. He's an amazing human being. The partnership, Mm -hmm. the the female-male partnership, that's what ended. We are not husband Mm -hmm. and wife. We are like family. And I even wrote, I mean, like two different chapters on that. I'm like the many shades of love because... You know, you can literally have agape, that unconditional love, the one that parents have for their kids or supposed to have. <laughs> okay, it's a different story. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just like you have that agape for my ex-husband. It's like he's an amazing person. I really wish him the best, you know. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. I wrote another chapter called Relationship Bound, you know, and another one, you know, literally it's about codependency because it's called really right. Beyond Codependency because people like just get so attached to somebody and that somebody has to bear their cross. It's like, no, that's your cross. You have to bear it. You, you, you've chosen to come into this world. You are given a cross Well, you have to carry it, you know? And, and Mm -hmm. so don't make Mm -hmm. your problems somebody else's problems, you know? And that's one too. I always, whenever, you know, I go out dating and, you know, the way you know me, I'm always talking a lot, but when I go out on a date, I'm very quiet the first and the second date because I'm like, if I'm going mm-hmm. to talk, I'm already going to listen to what I have to say and I know my thoughts. I'm not here mm-hmm. to, you know, really dissect my thoughts. I'm here to dissect the other person's character, you know, and
0: mm-hmm. I kind of like, and
1: right. I let them take the stage. And then, sure enough, like after like, Four minutes, five minutes, the moment, you know, you're like, so you were married? Yeah, oh, my God, my ex is such a bitch. You're like, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to hear. Because in, in the,
0: <laughs> <laughs> because in that case, you're like, okay,
1: obviously your past is still holding you back, my dear one. And you did yeah, not yeah. have a conversation with your past and maybe you know if you'd like to have it let me know how can I help and you know can hire me a psychologist but you know until then I don't think we can be together because my god you still have unresolved issues you know while somebody's asking me so oh you you broke up you're divorced I'm like oh my god my ex is the most amazing guy he's such a Mm -hmm. great person in my life and I had the relationship that ended but I'm so grateful you know for whatever has happened and what we have right now and Tons of times people are shocked. They're like, oh, you, you still talk to him? I'm like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right,
0: right. So, I remember this one feedback when I was uh, matchmaking at uh, um, the uh, dating service, and uh, I matched this couple up. They went to dinner, and the man told me, he said, oh, my gosh, she told me that she's uh, so bitter about her ex. She's taking him to court, and she's going to take him for everything he's got. And she's going to make his life miserable. And she told the guy, and the guy thought, "Oh my God, get me the hell out of here." She she might do the same to me if we were together. <laughs> it, it wasn't a it wasn't a great uh, selling point there, you know, to to say that. So it was it it is pretty <laughs> shocking that. And then when I got divorced, my last husband, people were. I'm still very close to my uh, ex mother in law. You know, she's still she's like family to me, <laughs> and we we she lives yeah. in France, and we we Skype and we talk and. Send cards and and that, and it's been now gosh since 1997 I I got divorced but people were like you talk to her why would you be friends with her I'm like well she didn't do anything to me she <laughs> she's she's not uh, you know I have no bone you know with with her at all so they couldn't get it like why would you talk to your ex mother in law you're divorced it's like because I love her so she's blessed. like family yeah. yeah. So.
1: And and that's why I, I really believe that the ones who are aware and the ones who are evolved, uh, you, you have a conversation with your past, you solve your problems, you put it to rest, and then you take only the, the good parts from your past, you know, and you move on. The moment you are going to focus on what's not working, well, you are going to replicate whatever didn't work then, and it's not going to work now, mm-hmm. and you're going to bring that, you know, into your future. And it's like, I don't want you to recreate your unresolved issues or unfulfilled mm-hmm. relationship in the past with me in the present. That that's not why mm-hmm. I'm going out. And it's like until you're going to solve those problems,
0: see you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It is important to do the work. You get with a coach or a therapist or do some, you know, yeah.
1: modalities:
0: tapping, breath work, hypnosis. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do because we all have, um, trauma, uh, in our right whether it's relationships or you had big trauma just growing up in, in the, you know, environment you had, but you've been able to really, um, let that go and step forward and always joyful and always happy and smiling and very friendly. And I'm sure everybody didn't turn out that way. So it's a big testament yeah, to it's all- your, your work.
1: Yeah, and it's always interesting because, you know, people, you know, new new people in my life, they're like, oh, oh, oh I didn't know you grew up in, in a communist country. And they were like, and you don't have some wounds. And I said, well, you, you have wounds, but then you are going to try to heal them. And I said, otherwise, you're not going to scratch my wounds that happened to me 30 years ago and blame the regime, you know, for another mm-hmm. 60 more years why I was not born in the United States, why was I born in Romania? I said, you know, uh, like Mark Mark Twain used to say, everybody's complaining about the weather, nobody's doing anything about it. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to complain about the regime, you know, we did something against that regime, (laughs) and I'm glad Mm -hmm. we did, you know, in 1989. And so it's like, we solve the problem, we move on. You know, we're not going to be stuck in the past
0: replaying the same tape over and over again.
1: Yeah. Otherwise
0: you might as well uh you know, shouldn't have moved if you're gonna you keep replaying it. It's like you're still there. So yeah, we've got to get exactly. those tapes out of our head. So so <laughs> um now are you doing some life coaching as well? Yes.
1: Mhm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I was happy, you know, enough and interested enough and to um, go and take Mary Morrissey's Life Institute. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. a certified life coach under you know Dream Builders with Mary mm-hmm. Morrissey. So I work you know under Herm her Institute, Life Souls Institute, and so mm-hmm. as a life coach. And then again, I'm still teaching you know high school and college, and you know I'm also having my own you know magazine, which is a motivational magazine, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, to come back to uh, what you asked, yeah, I'm doing also life coaching, and it's always interesting because now with COVID, um, Mm -hmm. the, the people that I have, and you're going to be very, I don't know, maybe you are going to be surprised or not, but I have nurses who are really coming and they they are really struggling out there you know because now they have to have the mask for so many hours and it's so much pressure Mm -hmm. and they you know the the last person I talked to she's like I thought that saving lives was my life purpose and she said I'm really at the point in my life where I want to leave the medical field it's not what I wanted it's not what I used to do Mm -hmm. she said it's just ridiculous and then I have two other friends of mine, doctors, who literally resign. And so um, yeah. it's a lot of stress out there. And everybody is dealing with that to the best of his or her abilities. But um, life coaching, it's not like, you know, before COVID, it's like, okay, well, we're going to focus on your abundance and we're going to focus on your right. life choices when it's coming down to finding the right partner. And we are yeah. also going to look at some, you know, now it's like, okay, I'm in this crazy environment dealing with this, this, this or I'm teaching online or I'm doing these things online and how am I supposed to be sane when I'm behind the screen all day long, you know? So now my life coaching has changed a lot because I cannot really, you know, use um, the, you know, the whole program that Mary Morrissey has created which is an amazing one. I have to kind of like tailor it to what this new environment yeah. is all about and what people are struggling with the most, which is um, lack of social interaction. That's one, and high anxiety because of the fear that it's constantly being portrayed and banked on, you know, by media. Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then um, you know you have uh, the lack of resources because so many people's businesses have been closed down and. And so Mm -hmm. it's uh, the lack of abundance, which not knowing what the future is going to hold and um, the health, the immune system, which is bombarded internally by lack of, you know, exposure, social exposure, but at the same time, like negative vibes that are totally ingrained, you know, in our subconscious mind and we are bombarded on a daily basis by the media, you know, just indoctrinated, Mm -hmm. you know, with the idea of fear. And so life coaching is dealing with anxiety, is dealing with depression, is dealing with thoughts of suicide. That's pretty much what my life coaching is about right now.
0: Wow. Very, very deep uh, work. And I can imagine it. I just feel so much for these people who have to wear a mask all day because I, I go into the store. I'm wearing a mask. I have to get out of there. It's so hot. I, I was getting so hot and it just makes me hot. I, and my glasses. The fog up and and it's just stifling and and that's only for the 15 minutes i'm i'm in there and i i just my heart goes out to people wearing this eight hours a day absolutely. and trying to function with that it's, it's absolutely uh, challenging and, and, you know not being At, able yeah. to
1: breathe and and yeah mm-hmm. having eczema yeah. and you know developing all kinds of allergies oh it's insane it's insane i mean like literally yeah. i the, the you know many times more people are being recommended, and the moment they come in they I'm like, "Give me the first three things you're struggling with, and if anxiety mm-hmm. is not number one, it's always number two. I mean anxiety comes mm. like one of the first, if not the second, on that list, you know because I mean they're going to come up with very many issues, and I'm like, okay, I cannot." change your whole world you know but i we're going right. to focus on three major issues you know what are those and anxiety is always that one of those three yeah.
0: and is that program like how many weeks or um, three months or how is it is it, uh yeah how so is it it's, it's a 12
1: week it's a it's a 12 weeks program And, um, it's pretty much, you know, I'm, uh, what I decided to do, I'm I'm still using Mary Morris's material. So pretty much you have like a workbook and, you know, you're doing, you know, a little bit of homework every day. And then even if I'm supposed to check in with the client, you know, once a week for like 30 minutes, I've noticed that, you know, 30 minutes, it's not enough, especially in nowadays world. So. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like uh, doing two check-in points and sometimes, you know, we can go, I said, Oh, it's going to be 30 minutes. And I always like one hour on a Wednesday, one hour on a Saturday. So I kind of like have check-in points with them and, you know, to mm-hmm. try to kind of like keep them afloat, you know? So it's, yeah, it's it's a 12 weeks program and it's not, I mean, the cheapest one, but you know, at the same time I'm, you know, working under a brand that I cannot really dilute their message and <laughs> There, um whatever they stand for you know so it's kind of like I have to go with the program I might recreate smaller programs because sometimes people like well you can I cannot afford three thousand dollars you know for 12 weeks okay but I afford I can I I, I'm okay with 500 like for two weeks and Mm -hmm. I was like well for two weeks it's gonna be not enough time because I, I barely get to know you but Let's figure out exactly if we can pull in at least a month. And so I always create different programs for people, which is way more work for me because it would be very simple. Here's the workbook. Let's get going. It's not like that anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, too, nice. I'm being certified in Nancy Levin's uh, from Hay House author Nancy Levin, her uh, boundary coaching, yeah. and I've been in the it's a one-year Certification programs so all be certified in October, so we're in the practicum now, and it's also Yay! a 12 week. Uh, yeah, because so you, yeah. you can't, you know, people want one session or two, and it's really you're not going to get uh, any significant changes in in just a session or two. So it's if you really want to make a shift in your life, uh, you know, I think yeah, 12 weeks is is uh, three months is really really the best best yeah. bet, you know. Yeah, and I, I never realized it's, it's that got- until I started learning it, and I'm like, oh yeah, you really need to build on that and to to, to work on, on the, the homework and the shift. On the, the whole internal structure, shift. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, because it's like if you've been drinking your whole life. I, I, I don't have the miraculous pill to give it to you. I mean, if I would, you know, I would be a multimillionaire, right? You know, and I'm going to, you know, coach you, so you're going to give up, you know, your drinking, you know, in two sessions. Yeah. Come on, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. That you've been putting <laughs> all this junk in your body, and all of a sudden, after two sessions,
0: you're only going to eat yeah. veggies and fruits. <laughs> Not happening, you know, so... Yeah, that's the uh, our our Americans. We want every we want everything right now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, know, Give it to me yesterday if it's possible. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, So, So, (laughs) Aura, tell everybody how they can connect with you and your uh, uh, everybody. Her um, website is linked up at uh, the back at Blog Talk Radio. But tell everybody uh, your website, Aura it's
1: it's you know aura embarros a u r a i m b a r u s auraimbaros.com aura dot com and you know my email is always aura Inbaros at yahoo dot com you know so a u r a like aura and then i m b a r u s and you know um yeah my my buckets out is conversations with the past and you know if you want life coaching i'm always there to help out and create any programs that might serve you to I don't know. Stay afloat in this challenging time. Mm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your powerful story and your background and and all of your Thanks insights you and wisdom. For having me. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, and you it's guys, such I'm a pleasure connecting with you. I know. <laughs> And everybody, go check out Aura's book, um, and go to my website, MarlaMartinson.com, and get your free self-love guided meditation. And if you love this podcast, please consider leaving it a five-star review on iTunes. Much love, everybody. Yes. Until next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>